Welcome to the Delano Newsmakers podcast, bringing context to the stories that matter in Luxembourg. I'm Jess Baldry, and today, ahead of World Press Freedom Day, we take a look at the news landscape in Luxembourg, its struggles, and how the pandemic has exacerbated them. It's been a year of many phone calls, of many video calls, and it's been a year where I realized how much uh, we need a right access to information in Luxembourg because the pandemic has definitely proved that Luxembourg lacks of transparency and uh, information culture. I mean, the, the press conferences have more been like a dramatic theater place than, than like really places where you can, can get uh, information. And we really had to, to, to push with the press council and with the journalist association to get at least some of the minima of information we needed. I mean, I recall when we wanted to have the names of the members of the task force, we had to wait for days, if not weeks, to, to get them. And that's something that should not happen in, in a democracy. And a crisis is always there to strip reality and, and, and to see naked how it is. And we've seen uh, more than we wanted of uh, this lack of transparency, definitely. That was Luke Caragari, Vice President of Luxembourg's Union for Journalists and a journalist for Vox. We know that the pandemic has worsened the crisis facing journalists globally. At least 30 journalists were killed in 2020 and journalism was blocked in more than 130 countries, according to Reporters Without Borders. Luke, how have the lives of journalists in Luxembourg changed over the past year? We've been confined like the rest of the population we had to uh, adapt to, to a lot of new realities new tools of course then there's of course the thing that uh, we don't have access to to information that really came out much clearer than before and i think there's the other side of the media crisis in luxembourg i mean uh, 75 journalists have lost their jobs at, at edition saint paul at the Wort. And uh, we know that in other big or small houses there, the atmosphere is not very good. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on journalists and it's not um, a very sane environment to work also in a crisis. I mean, people should rely, should be, uh, should be able to, to rely on media, um, especially in, in a pandemic. And having, having those two components, I mean, a lack of right to information and an enormous ec- economic pressure are not very sane for the media uh, envir- environment in Luxembourg. This year, Luxembourg ranked 20th in the Reporters Without Borders Press Freedom Index. But in 2013 and 14, it ranked fourth out of 180 countries. What happened that it fell so badly? Well, the the arguments that uh, Reporters Without Borders uh, has advanced are the crisis at the public radio station 100.7, the internal crisis there, which is uh, effectively not not over because we learned that uh, their director has been fired. Also, the the problems at at RTL, where also people have been fired, and mainly the new law on on media financing, which uh, for the moment has still not been voted and which uh, stirs up uh, a lot of questions. That's uh, the argument here of uh, Reporter Without Borders. And I think um, these are also international organizations who maybe don't know the specificities of Luxembourg so much. So the media laws in Luxembourg are not really up to date and there's uh, not really much concern of, from from the side of the government to um, to listen to, to the sector. I mean, uh, 
take, for instance, the, the, the new uh, media finance law. Neither the press council, neither the uh, journalist association or editors association have been heard by, by, the, by the parliamentary commission to, to talk about this law. For me, that's scandalous. I mean, we have been consulted when there was a first draft on the law, and when they finally deposed the law, this had really nothing to do with the draft we had been consulted on. And from then on, we have not been asked uh, to uh, to express ourselves. I mean, we have written some avis, and when we read the amendments made by, by the parliamentarians, we saw that they ignored 80 to 90% of them. And that's something that, that cannot be. You have to listen to a sector if you want to reform it so deeply as this um, as this law will. This has been a system that has been installed in the 1970s. The main goal is to achieve media pluralism. I mean, uh, look at the media landscape in Luxembourg. If you don't give subsidies to the media, uh, most of them would, would be disappearing rather quickly. So um, there has been a system installed in the 70s which has been reformed sometimes, but the new reform aims at going away from just subsidizing print papers and enlarge it to, to every um, other new media that, that's coming up now. And the thing is, the subsidies are no more uh, calculated on the quantity of paper you produce, but on the, the number of journalists or professional journalists you do employ, which is, for, big, for the beginning, this is a good idea. But the government has moved on from uh, planifying 55,000 euros a year per journalist down to 30,000 and never we never got an explanation why they turned this, this number so low. And there are many, many other things in, in this law that are not, in my opinion, combinable with the, the media sector as it is now. I mean, for me personally, I don't like the philosophy of the law. I don't like the idea that this law is written for, for media enterprises that are mainly after profit. Making profit with media can be a good thing. I don't it shouldn't be the main goal. Just look at France, look at Liberation. After decades of infighting, of course, they have recently been transferred into a no-profit foundation. And I think that's, that's the future. And to make a law that's just aimed at people who want to make profit, in, in a moment the sector is in a deep crisis because the crisis is not over. I mean, you have seen what happened at uh, Saint Paul. And rumors are there are more, more things to come this year more uh, people fired maybe uh, more uh, press uh, yeah more press uh, disappearing i don't think it's really realistic to to push a law that's not um, that's not adapted to to the sector and not adapted to to the state the sector is um, is in for the moment so what would this new law do and why is it taking so long to get passed it had been promised since the, the government, the first coalition government, took office in 2013. And then, then I know that the Prime Minister and Minister of Media, Xavier Böttel, wanted to push it through just before the last elections in 2018. And because he, he wanted it done, he couldn't get it through. Maybe he didn't think that, that, that he would be re-elected. And now that he's re-elected, uh, the discussions have taken on. I mean, it, it's, it has taken so long because there has been some infighting on the editor's side because not everyone is in the same boat or is in the same situation. On their side, there have been people uh, profiting of their uh, special relationship to uh, the media ministry. 
to try to obtain um, certain dispositions and that that has led to some more or less bad blood and finally it's a good question because um, as i said no one has really listened to the sector and still it took it, it took them so long maybe because the government is still afraid of of the changes it will make because uh, these are very sen- this is a very sensitive uh, machinery and if you push one knob too far maybe you will lose one or two media outlets who cannot survive with the the, the new um, kind of subsidy uh, regime and uh, they're really afraid of being accused uh, yeah you have killed this or that media outlet now we know media pluralism is necessary for functioning democracy it's one thing to have a dozen media outlets but one could argue this is useless if they're under-resourced and companies don't hire enough journalists so to what extent is this a risk in luxembourg I personally don't think it could exacerbate this situation because the situation of investigative journalism in Luxembourg at all is rather difficult anyway. Having a lot of money, having a lot of resources doesn't doesn't automatically mean that uh, the direction or the, the editor-in-chief will give uh, the, these resources to, to journalists who investigate. I mean, there is no, that's not an, an automatic mechanism that this will happen. So... I think the future of investigation and of investigative journalism in Luxembourg would be more a collaboration between several media outlets. I mean, these are things who are beginning to happen. You've seen it with uh, the public radio uh, and uh, reporter.lu. And I think these these kind of collaborations should be pushed. And because it's the model of of, of every bigger investigative uh, force. I mean, look at examples like uh, the ICIJ, the the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. These people bring together like uh, 200 journalists from media outlets all over the world to investigate leaks or other documents they have. And it's only if uh, we work together over the heads of our media outlets and uh, don't, and maybe forget about chasing the scoop for a minute um, that we can really go on forward with uh, investigative journalism. On the other hand, I think that, I mean, I've been on the job 15, 16 years now, and when I began, nobody was really talking about investigative journalism. There was not this hunt or this lust for investigation in the press that, that we have now. I mean, it really started to change at about 20 2013 for me, when the uh, conservative uh, government uh, fell down and and was replaced. From that moment on, the the, the press saw a bit what it can do, saw their responsibilities, and now I think investigation is more more important than than before, which is a good thing. But um, on the other hand, you're also right, you need resources to investigate, but I don't think this this necessarily uh, pertains to to subsidies. This uh, also has a lot to do with uh, human resources and, and, and managing. So for this year's World Press Freedom Day, the Union of Journalists is going to be focusing on, the, on access to information in Luxembourg. And we know that Luxembourg doesn't have a Freedom of Information Act, like uh, the UK, for instance. And for the benefit of listeners, what are journalists up against when they're trying to retrieve information in Luxembourg from the public sector or the state? 
No, a lot of things. There is no right to access to information, so we have to feed on the information they graciously give us. That's a permanent imbalance. I mean, in every other European country except Malta and Cyprus, there is somehow a right to information for the press. That means the administrations are somehow forced or obligated uh, to give out information if asked properly by by journalists. And yeah, this can lead to totally absurd situations where we where you will be chasing what what do I know, a statistic or study for days, if not weeks, and then still be denied access to it because somebody decided no, this is not a public document because and, and that's totally um, depending on who you're talking to, because there is no legislation, there is no um, framework to regulate these things. I mean, we've been fighting for this since 2004. We've been promised that it would come in with uh, the, the law on liberty of expression uh, in the media in 2010. Then Jean-Claude Juncker said, oh, no, we will not do it now, we'll do it later, and so on and so on. It has become a classic every time in January when the prime minister or minister of media opens up the year for the journalist that's uh, the, the president of the press council, reminds them of this. And we have also done consultations. We have been uh, to, the, the, to the parliamentary commission twice. We have been asked by the par Parliamentary Commission to um, to elaborate an, a known proposition of law, which we did, and uh, it's done. It, it has been done by by um, attorney for us, which we then gave to Xavier Buttel in person, and his answer was very interestingly: Since when do associations propose laws? But this law was asked for by uh, a member of the, the Parliamentary Commission which his party presides since 2013. So this is, it's an aberration for me. And we tried all these things. So we said, um, if there's no other way, we will invest in a campaign. We'll search a broader alliance, And we have 11 organizations with us to, to support us uh, in our fight for a right to access information for journalists and for more transparency, because we also demand the review of the transparency law of uh, 2018, which uh, also has many flaws. It's not only access to state information that may be problematic. The OpenLux data scrape of the Luxembourg Beneficial Owners Register was a reminder that most journalists can't access in-depth data on beneficial owners without a hacker. Is there any progress being made here, do you think? First of all, it was not only the beneficial owners register, it was the register it's in, in its whole that has been downloaded. Is there any progress being made? I mean, if you see what happened after the OpenLux investigation, is that the register has been promised more means. And I mean, all the forces in, on the judicial have uh, that are working on uh, AML, anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism financing have been promised more means. For me, that's small but important victory. Is there any progress being made? People have been looking at Luxembourg because Luxembourg has been the first country that uh, really established a database like the, uh, the the Luxembourg Business Registry that that is open and free to access. I don't think that this this database will be uh, searchable by by names uh, anytime soon because there are too many uh, forces opposing this on in the finance place. 
but I think it has been uh, interesting to see that now other countries are starting to implement such databases, giving free access, like uh, Malta is doing it, and uh, recently France also. And I think that this is a move towards more more transparency. I think it will be a long march, but without such investigations, people don't realize how secretive uh, the government and the state can be. In this perspective, there is surely a progress. How influential is the Luxembourg private sector in influencing media, would you say? Hmm. Yeah, as a journalist in Vox, who does not depend on publicity, that's that's a bit difficult to evaluate. But I think it's like in 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 every other country, there's a dependence on announcements from the private sector for for every media. We've seen it in the COVID crisis that there had to be a direct aid pumped in the the, the bigger media outlets just so that they didn't have to fire persons. To say that there is no dependence or interdependence between private sector announcements and, and journalists' work, to say that there is no independence between these two looks well on the paper, but everybody knows in reality it's not true. For me, it's the responsibility of the journalists themselves, of course, but also to their superiors, their editors-in-chiefs, their directions, their CEOs, to uh, protect the journalists against this influence and to go and to go negotiating with the private sector to uh, to to keep them them out of uh, of journalistic content because that's what the private sector wants i mean that's that's obvious you don't uh, you don't pu- publish an ad in a paper that uh, publishes an investigation about about you that that makes you look bad i mean that's that's very clear and there i mean it takes the courage and uh, yeah the balls of the the editors in chief and the CEOs to, to, to negotiate that uh, for their journalists and uh, to protect press freedom. They have also their role to play in this. Luke, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you too. Thanks for listening. You can listen to all our podcasts on delano.lu and on all podcast platforms. And subscribe to the Delano newsletter for all the latest Luxembourg news in English. Sign up on delano.lu.